What's this? This is the holiday edition of this episode of Seeking Wisdom. Fans, we need some more gifts. We're light on gifts we need here. Gifts. Please send in some gifts. Look at DC's living room. Yeah. How did you guys get a live stream? That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty nice. Shh. Hey, uh, all right. send some gifts. G2's here. Video Dan is here. Elizabeth is here. Yeah. Yeah. She's so powerful that you don't even need a nickname. You're just Elizabeth. I know. You can't be video. I mean, video. I know. Liz, I can't even. Come, no. No. Yeah. It doesn't work. So we're doing something special today. We are doing. Uh, I have about five pages of listener questions. It's really just going to be me interviewing you through all these questions. What is your coat? Okay. I don't have a holiday coat, (laughs) so I found the coat that I wore for Halloween. Right? (laughs) It's a little big. This is when DG tries on suits. This is how they fit them. Yeah. Huge. Uh, Yeah. Because, you know, he's strapping. But uh, I was the Knicks coach, David Fisdale, as my Halloween costume. Uh, It would work if I had my glasses. I forgot them. And so I busted this out for a little celebration. I can't wait till Video Dan does the side-by-side with you and Fisdale. Because if if you haven't seen it, you're going to see it, and you'll be like, which one is DC? I need to put the glasses on. (laughs) It's amazing. And by the way, I'm sitting next to, I don't want to make a big deal out of this, but DC was number one CEO for small and mid-sized companies in USA Today I saw yesterday. Wow. What is that? I'm going to have to get a subscription. And then you and Elias uh, were going back and forth. I love you more. I love you more. How does it feel? It doesn't feel like anything. Uh, no, cool. I think it was, it was cool, cool for a second, cool. and uh, but it's really the team at Drift. It has nothing to do with me. It's awesome. It was cool to see uh, one more reason to get your copy of USA Today when you're at a hotel. <laughs> get your copy of USA Today when you're at a hotel, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, it reminds me of like being like a Holiday Inn in like Orlando or something. Mm-hmm. Holiday Inn. So that's awesome. I thought it was cool. I'll embarrass you in front of everybody else. I'm supposed to do a couple things at this, and so maybe I was supposed to do one of them, but we'll do it at the end. we got to record a short intro because what we are doing... What's that? We are bringing the Best of Seeking Wisdom 2018. Mm-hmm. Two-part episode over the next couple weeks. We're going to have all the hits from the whole year. So if you haven't been subscribed since the beginning of this year... You can catch up? You're going to catch up. Okay. You're going to catch up. All right, up. no excuses. Next. No excuses. We got the like best, it. the highlights, only the hotness, none of me saying um, no fidgeting, all of that cut out. It's only you cut that be, out? It's only going to be the team? hotness. No. So no, They're Elizabeth, busy enough. We got Elizabeth somebody else they, doing they, this. She's not cutting she's it not out. Cutting she's right, going to leave it in. All right, here we go. We're going to get into the questions. Yeah. Okay. First question is from Patrick. Patrick H. You know Patrick H. Shout out Patrick H. Shout Uh, it out. What was the best marketing experiment you ran this year? Most impactful book from 2018. Marketing experience. Everything is an experiment. What was the most impactful book you read in 2018? Oh, what? On the spot? Yeah. Mm. You know, I don't know, so many. The one that I think about that I've come back to, so I'll use that as the as the litmus test, is The Talent Code Mm. by Daniel Coyle. I read that, if you remember, on my sabbatical in July of uh, this year. And uh, it led me to read three of his books. Uh, That was one of them. The other one was Little Book of Talent, which is a a great kind of small book, as (laughs) the title says. It's a little book. It's a book. The Little Book of Talent. That one's good. Yeah. And there was one other book, I can't remember, Culture Code. So you did Culture Code, Code, Talent Code, and The Little Book of Talent. I read all of those three books because I liked Culture Code so much. Uh, So I would go to that book. For me, it was the year of going outside of marketing a little bit. I think my favorite book from this year was one you put me on, which was uh, Supermensch, Shep Gordon. Ooh. Just See, there's too many books. I don't, I no, no, there is too many. It's too many. Remember. It's really just like, let's name a book. Yeah, yeah. And I bought two books just sitting in a meeting with you and Elias yesterday. You both mentioned books, bottom on the spot. So... That's a great book. Why do you love it? I love Supermensch because it just is everything that we talk about so much, which is finding. So it's a cool story. It's fun Mm -hmm. to read. A lot of business books are not fun to read. It's not a business book. But for me, we talk so much about like finding role models and getting inspiration outside of our industry. Mm -hmm. 
I probably took about three to five awesome marketing lessons from, from that book that we've applied to Drift. Yep. Where we talk about we don't look at other B2B companies. You know, I hate this. I go on a podcast or do speaking and somebody's like, all right, hey, before we go, Dave, give me an example of a company you think is great at B2B marketing. And I You're say, right. I'm not trying right. to be a jerk, but like I don't, I don't know, know that one. many because we don't look at them. Yeah. And so Shep Gordon was a great one. That was a great one. Uh, and finally read the Arnold biography, which was great also. Now three you years can, in the making. Yeah, I can three put, years the, in the put making. that in a backpack. I gave that to the nephew three years ago. Who? It's 700 pages. It's a great book. <laughs> 700 pages. <laughs> it's too many Elizabeth pages. Elizabeth is judging right now. She's judging. What is and the... And what did you think of it? I thought it was, was good. Was it everything that... Yeah, it was good. You told me most of it. Like, yeah, yeah, I gave you And then I could see the theme, which is how he basically Babe Ruth the whole book and called his shot through the whole way. I'm going to do Mentor this. I'm gonna he do invented this. his reality. Yeah, which is amazing. Which is amazing. And I think that is the number one thing is like, Inventing the reality can be true in anything. Like, mm -hmm. we're going to launch a new video segment at Drift. It doesn't exist yet. Invent yep. your reality. Just exactly. make it. Mm -hmm. I think that was a great lesson from that. I like this question. What are you proudest of about Drift? Proudest team accomplishment? Did you put this in there? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay. No, no, this is not supposed to be about me. It's not supposed to be about me. <laughs> Did Elias what? put this? Elias put this. Okay, is that no, his what, what are you proud of? This what are you year? Because yeah. wow. think about this. A year ago, mm -hmm. you know how many people were at Drift? Like, 82. Oh. Okay, that was, that was way off. I was going to say like 40, which is not true. Uh, we ended last year at 82. Wow. Uh, What's today? But the, we began last year at 20. So 20 to 82. That's crazy. This year we've gone from 82 to, let's say, around 260. 255, I think, is the last number I heard, but I think we're slightly above that. So we hired this year new people, 222. Crazy. Crazy. It is efficient. I've seen the screenshots. Efficient machine. Oh, it's a very efficient Jim, machine. Running. They could teach some marketing lessons on the funnel, <laughs> but very efficient. So, what is my proudest uh, thing this year about the Drift team? Hmm. You know, I think there's so many, and we actually had a company meeting this week, and we covered a whole bunch of them. I think is that we came together as a team, right? And uh, many of the teammates were new, but we still came together. There were no walls, no politics, no fiefdoms. And uh, we did the impossible mm. several times this year, right? I won't go into yeah. into some of those things, but we did things that were I considered impossible, and we did several of those at least this year. I think it's back-to-back -back years of suspending disbelief, yes. as you say, right? Which is <laughs> yeah. the truth. For me, it's it's obviously the team stuff. I think creating this category of conversational marketing is a big one, because the only way this works is if it's it's not about us, it's about mm -hmm. the industry. And I think we've seen this big shift of people saying, I want to throw out the playbook. I want to rewrite the rules of how we do this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, help us get there. I think we're at an awesome time. Mm -hmm. I wrote this on LinkedIn recently. I said, I think this is going to be the, the hardest decade for marketers over the next five, 10 years. A decade is 10 years, obviously. But because I think marketing is just everything that used to be like new and innovative is now table stakes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Everybody has a blog, everybody has a podcast, everybody's doing video, everybody's on social media. And so I think the companies that are going to try to challenge what's normal and rewrite the playbook are the ones that are going to win. I think it's even worse than you described in your LinkedIn post because it's not only, you talked about it from a company context, but every individual, whether they're a marketer or not, so is true. creating content as well. Right? So true. Whether it's IG, whether it's video, whether it's podcast, whether it's whatever, it, they're competing. So it's like, it's and we're coming to this boiling point with content overload mm -hmm. that everybody I saw in the app store the other day, and it was funny because we did this episode about Slack. Mm -hmm. The home page of the app store was how to turn off your Slack notifications. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> Think about that. That's, that's probably crazy. the most popular app in the app store, and Apple's telling you how to use it 
less. Less. Yeah. And I think we're coming to this point where like you deleted a bunch of apps on yeah. your phone, right? More people are like taking time away from technology. So you're not going to have everybody glued to their phones over the next five, 10 years as you've had. And what is that going to change for marketers? I think that's super interesting. I love that. And just like you said before, on the uh, nice, that's some old school. <laughs> old school there. That's an old that's school a reference. Letterman, Letterman yeah. reference. For creating the category was the same thing, suspending disbelief. Mm -hmm. It seemed impossible. Setting the goals like we will for 2019 internally will seem impossible again. 2018 in the beginning of the year seemed impossible. 2017 seemed impossible. Every time we set them, we were just like, or set on the idea of creating a category, we were like, this is insane. How do you do this? This is a dumb name. Nobody's yeah, yeah. gonna believe this. It, it's how it always happens. Like always. you always say, right? Story. Everything, everybody wants to believe it's the overnight success story. Mm -hmm. Will Elizabeth and Dan be singing Christmas carols at the end of this episode? Oh yeah, no doubt. Okay. Well, if not, we can edit it. We can edit it in. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can edit that in. We're gonna take a little turn into the uh, product and the product side. This is from Scott. Shout out to you, Scott. Long time listener. Shout it out. I'm, I don't answer this. That's one. a red you alert. Can uh, reference one. for all of you back yeah. in the day. Shout DJ it out, New York City. DJ Red Alert. Mm -hmm. uh, deciding to add large features instead of adding small peripheral products. Why choose one over the other from a growth perspective? I don't know. Why add small features versus big features? Or uh, the inverse? Why add big stuff instead of small stuff? Hmm. I think, uh, you know, if he's asking this about us. It's then both. I, okay, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. both. You know, I don't, it depends on your product, depends on your market, right? Obviously, uh, whether you should do that. For, I will answer it for us, because that's all I know. For us, we've been doing both of those things this year. Some, you know, depending on the time, we will do more small versus big, but we've tried to keep a pace of both. And the reason it made sense for us is that we are trying to define this category, conversational marketing. Mm. The world is trying to define it, but we're trying to help as well. And so we made a lot of big bets to explore, as Seth Godin says, the edges. Mm. Like, where are the edges of this category in this case? But uh, Seth Godin always says, you know, when you're doing something, you gotta take it to the edge, right? You gotta take it to the edge, you gotta understand like what are the edge, yeah. and then you can bring it back, but you gotta understand like what are the constraints that you're working with. Today. Damn, you're good at that. That's a good point, because if you think about something that's established like the iPhone, mm -hmm. or smartphones, smartphones are getting incrementally better every year now, yep. but go back to 2007, mm -hmm. the gains from the you know iPhone one to two to three to four to five, mm -hmm. whatever, were huge. Mm -hmm. But now the time is different. The category's there, people know what it is. There's totally. no feature parity. And exactly, that's a great example because next year, you know, this year was about exploring the edges. Next, uh, we have figured out, we think, what the progression looks like, at least in the very short term. Yeah. And so next year will be less about big stuff like we did this year, at least inside of Drift, and more about those small feature wins, like you said, Scott. Uh, so it really depends on your context, really depends on the stage and, and what your company's trying to do. All right, next question. You guys have a ton of energy and synergy. Thank you. It makes the podcast an absolute joy to listen to. Wow, thanks, Mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tips for achieving these levels of energy without a co-host. doesn't have to be a podcast, but I feel so much more boring, low energy when I'm recording anything alone. I don't know if I'm the right person to answer I'll this. I'll take this one. You're good at this. I think, I actually almost made a video about this this morning. A lot of people say, That'd be a good video. Dave, I've seen your LinkedIn videos. I'm just not comfortable doing them. And you know what my answer is? 
don't do them, yeah. right? I think like this is anything. You have to find the reason this podcast works for us is because this is what works for us, right? And we had these kind of conversations with our podcast. We, we, this is how this whole thing started is like, what if this was a podcast? Then mm -hmm. it became easy to make it a podcast. Yep. Same thing with video. It's easy. I'm comfortable looking like a, a silly guy walking down the street with, with a, you know, with my phone in my face because it just is natural to me. I think you got to do what feels comfortable to you. Now, if you want to do a podcast, but you have low energy, you got to pick a topic that gets you fired up, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're not, then nobody's going to listen. Yep. And initially, you have to have some type of look at look at everybody, right? Look at Gary Vee, for example. Why does he get people's attention? Because he comes right out of the gate and feels so energetic. Mm -hmm. Or Russell Brunson, the way he talks about click funnels gets people so excited. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. If that's not your medium, then maybe start an amazing blog and blog daily or start yep. a newsletter and do that daily. It doesn't have to be audio or video. I love it. Who is your I man? Are these are like are these like these are like feels like spy. Some of these are spy questions. But they, they could be. <laughs> Did we not filter these? <laughs> no, no, Put we the spy filter the, on the this. The spy filter on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is look a familiar check name. Check the IP G two. Check the IP check address, the IP on, this address. Um, on this question. I want to have you answer this one anyway. Who is your ideal customer now, and how did you come to the mm. conclusion that's who you wanted to be building for and marketing to? And how important are ICPs, ideal customer profiles? Uh, again, you know, like my answer, like what I've learned from all these gray hairs here is uh, the answer to every question in life is it depends. <laughs> so like, I'm sorry to tell you, is it depends. It depends. It depends. So to answer this question, it depends, right? Uh, for us, and it depends on the stage. For us, two years ago as a company, or even a year ago, we weren't ready to define our ICP. Again, like Seth Godin said, we were exploring the edges. We were trying to understand this thing. We came out of this year, we're coming out of this year, I should say, having a very good idea of who our ICP is. And uh, we've only learned that over time, but we were comfortable being out there, not understanding who our ICP was, yeah. but having a point of view on the world and exploring that. That's so true. I remember early slides from you was like, do they have a business? <laughs> yeah, do, do they, they have a website? Do they breathe? No, and no, I think, that, but that's silly because I think so, some people do get so small and like we're gonna sell to people that are five eight with a flannel shirt on and a shiny forehead and jeans and it's like maybe eventually that's the market. But we would not have been able to learn in the early days if it wasn't wide. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is related to that question. Why do you think the ideal customer profile is so important for the future of us, though? Mm -hmm. uh, for the future, <clears throat> it's important because because of the stage again because we have we're at a certain stage we have certain we've grown to a certain size at least a number of people and for that many people to have clarity on what they're doing right we're out of the you know early kind of like uh, single player mode kind of mode where we can all figure this out the osmosis for all these people to figure out how to prioritize what they're doing, how to not get distracted, how yeah. to have the most impact. They have to understand who, what the target is. I think one thing I love that I didn't expect to be is you can grab anybody at the company from uh, support to sales to engineering. You could say, who is our ideal customer? Mm -hmm. And they will tell you mm -hmm. because it's a part of every company meeting now. It's a part of like the company rituals. Like these are the people that we're, that we're trying to sell to. Yeah, I, I think like uh, the early days, it's like improv, right? You, if you ever watch Second City, like improv, so a small group of us, right? 10 of us could do improv, right? Maybe 20 of us could do improv. Maybe we could even do 50 person improv if we break out into small groups. But doing improv when you're like 250 people, not good, not good. right? So now we need a script. All right. 
You've shared the, who's this question from? I don't know, shout out to you. You've shared how individuals can manage their career in a hypergrowth company. Flipping the switch, how can a manager or leader take an active role in developing their team to achieve hypergrowth? What are tactical things you're doing to make your teams better? So how do you set up managers at Drift to manage the hypergrowth? What are you smiling about? Yeah. <laughs> Was this a spy question? As well? <laughs> uh, okay. Just checking. Just yeah. checking. Yeah. Uh, the key is org charts. Yeah, org charts. The, <laughs> Next. That's the key. Next. How do we set up managers to succeed? I mean, we look for certain qualities in the manager uh, or managers, or we try to promote from within uh, when we can. But if we're hiring someone, we're looking for the same qualities that we look for <coughs> in all the individuals, right? Like this growth mindset, this hunger to learn this agility, which is super important, right? This like just get it done kind of person. And uh, when they come in here, we work with them, everyone works with them on the same thing, which is like, can we put our ego to the side? Can we learn, right? Can we do that over and over and over and get into that uncomfortable yeah. space? That's the hardest thing that we work with, uh, we work on. Uh, whether it's an individual manager, it's no difference, right? And that's the biggest secret, I think, to this hypergrowth question. I think that's the answer is ego. I think, I think the profile for managers, from manager to director to, to VP to C-level to whatever, has been you got to be able to do some of the work, no matter the level that you're coming in mm -hmm. at. And I think that then shows on the how do you show hypergrowth the team. It's the Ogilvy stuff that we always talk about, which is like David Ogilvy would still go and write ads any, every now and then for the agency mm -hmm. because the agency says, wow, this guy is still great yep. and he knows his stuff. And yep. I think the same thing happens from a management perspective. Mm -hmm. You're just managing, but you don't ever show that you still have the chops. Yep. So I think it's that balance. I was talking to Dina, who runs People here. Shout it out, Dina. Hi, Dina. She gets lots of likes on the LinkedIn. She and she, I was telling her some of the biggest misses we've made from a hiring standpoint, like in our history. And the biggest misses to me every single time was we didn't spot the ego. Ego always got in the way. It was big. There's been other issues, but that's been the biggest one. It's also the source of all of our biggest mistakes, all the sources of all my mistakes, the big mistakes, always ego. Ego. Ego is the enemy. Okay, internal marketing. What are the rules? Shout out to you, Vivek. What are the rules mm -hmm. of this new game? In other words, how do you master this with every other feature release? How do you really figure if you're, what you're doing is working or not? What is good? Let me, I'm going to take this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, this is all you. Internal marketing, we could talk for hours about this. I actually think this is the most underrated channel as a marketer or a product manager mm -hmm. because I just have such a strong belief that if you can't get the people inside of your company fired up about the thing that you're doing, mm -hmm. how on earth are thousands and millions of people that don't work here and drink the Kool-Aid all day going to get involved? Not gonna happen. And so we care so much about storytelling, even if it's internal, especially mm -hmm. when it's internal, mm -hmm. right? And actually, I I get more nervous presenting in front of the company than I do in front of other people that I don't know. Yep, same. Because the stakes are higher. I feel like people know you and people are expecting some type of response. So so the answer is like we just care a lot about internal marketing. And, and we have this ritual of show and tell with the team on Friday where the company basically, everybody gets in a room and each team kind of shows what they did. And it used to kind of just be like, you get up, you share a bunch of things. Now it's like, it's a real thing. And it's mm -hmm. like, you people take it very seriously. And I love that because I think it's an opportunity to get up in front of the company and really be an advocate for this thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I just care a lot about internal communication from how you communicate on Slack to how you write emails to how you write internal wiki posts to how you make videos for the company to how you present internally. I think that stuff separates you from a lot of people inside of your in, in the company. Yeah, the only thing I would add is it starts with hiring. If you don't hire the people who are going to come in, be excited about what you're doing, and maybe have this propensity to want to share 
because they're so excited about what's going on, it's never gonna work. It's never gonna work. All right, we're almost there. This is great. I'm having a good time doing this. What? Elizabeth doesn't seem thrilled. She doesn't know. There's a lot happening. There's a lot <laughs> happening. They have to hear us talk so much, though. Like, can you this, imagine editing? Uh, oh, I can't. my goodness. I would, maybe that we'll talk about that later. Yeah, that'd be a tough gig. Yeah. What are your, DC, what is your daily routine lately? Do you have any simple habits that you want to suggest? You know, I'm a man of habits. You are. What's that? What's the flavor? Habits what's the today. flavor right I'm now? I'm back. Michelle Balaban. Shout it out. Michelle. Yeah. First shout out on okay. the show. A marketing designer yeah. on the team. Inspired me the other day because she was starting to do 25 days of consecutively of yoga Ooh. for this month. Okay. And, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back to yoga. Mm. As you know, I used to do 18-minute uh, practice for 400 and something days consecutively. It's addictive personality uh, at yes. work. Yes. And then it broke one day. It involved a Las Vegas trip. We won't get into that <laughs> on this show. And it's been broken ever since. But I've been back on, I think I'm, I forgot how many days are I'm at. Two weeks so nice. far. I'm on that, so I'm back to yoga. So early in the morning yoga, start the day that way, read. So my practices stayed the same, kind of. I added back yoga, I read, make coffee, hang out with kids, then I start the day, right? After love that's it. done. I love that you're back on the yoga kick. Uh-huh. It's good. I got it. I got to get good. yoga. I got to get back in the, uh, you know, doing those reps and sets. I, I have. get back on the iron. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I get back in it. Steel is real. My, um. Huh? I made a change Why in my... Why is G2 laughing? The steel is real. That was good. Steel, steel is real. Is real. Boom, boom. That's a Henry Rollins quote. You would like Henry Rollins. Rollins. Okay, black flag. I went through a little drought with consistently reading because I just could not physically find the time in the day. And I know that's an excuse. So then what I did Biggest is... mistake you made. I've always been... I've always been... I got to read physical books. It's just how I am. I want to take notes. The last month, I switched to audiobooks because I walk to work and that gives me... 15, 20 minutes on the way there, 15, 20 minutes yeah. on the way home. So I'm like, wait a second, that's 40 minutes every single day that I could be reading. Yeah. I don't have 40 minutes to sit down and read. I've just been crushing audiobooks. And what do you think of it? It's amazing. Uh -huh. It's such a different, because you know me. It's a very different Neurotic, note taker, list fidgeting. maker, fidgeting, writing everything down. I don't take notes because it's an audiobook. Yeah. And I'm retaining just as much mm -hmm. information, which is a crazy a learning experience for me. You could ask me, what book are you reading right now? And I can tell you everything, and I haven't written one note down about it. So that's really cool. You're learning the key. I'm learning the, the key. Grasshoppers. So, which is so funny growing. because go back, read Managing Oneself in Drucker, mm -hmm. and what does he say? He says that there's two types of ways people learn, right? Yeah. They learn by writing, yes. and they learn by listening. listening. Yeah. And maybe I'm learning that I'm actually more of an audio, whatever the heck the name is, right? Yeah, yeah. I can learn more by listening than I thought. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a huge breakthrough. Yeah, so that's good. All right, any more questions? Um, okay, there's one more. Uh, actually, I want to end there. That's a high note. Let's end on a high note. Let's end on a high note. There's so many of them. They're all good. Yeah. Look, one thing that we were supposed to do at the beginning of this episode, which I failed to do, okay. was plug the hottest new podcast out right now, which is called Build. Okay. The Build Maggie. Podcast? By Maggie. So if you search for Build, yep. Drift. See, this Two is great. words, it'll come right up to the top. Gail wrote, here's your plug. Gail wrote to me, in the intro to the show, please include a promo shout out for Build and ask for listeners to search for and subscribe to Build wherever they get their podcasts. Yeah, and leave a six-star <laughs> review. And leave a six-star review. So please do that. It's an amazing show. I'm so excited about the future and what we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have so many shows, and I think we're just starting to get into a rhythm of, of how they all work and, and where they go and what we do with them. And, and Maggie's done an amazing job with Build. And uh, she even had me on the podcast, which was cool. Is that why she got a shout out? Yeah. Ego. <laughs> All right. 
Happy, Take us out here. This is going to be the last Merry Christmas. time. They're going to uh, Happy Kwanzaa. Us. Yes. Whatever you celebrate. Yeah. It's the end of the year. It's all love. 2019. It's all love. I like that. It's all love. 2019, we're coming strong. We're coming for you. Be ready to learn. Be ready to grow. Rest up. Long 2019 ahead of us. Video Dan, G2, Elizabeth, you all are amazing. Thank you. Even you, G2. <laughs> you are amazing. Salute. See you I later. salute you. Bye.